Hello and welcome to Pursuit of Infinity, a podcast where we explore the depths of human consciousness and delve into the fascinating world of psychedelics. In this week's episode, we welcome artist, filmmaker, and podcaster Seth Harris. Seth brings a wealth of expertise in the realms of the esoteric, occult, and conspiracy topics, which align with many of our interests here at Pursuit of Infinity. Our conversation spans a wide range of subjects, delving into intriguing discussions about our psychedelic journeys, where we exchange stories and reflect on the profound knowledge and insights we've accumulated over the years through the use of these potent and transformative compounds. But before we get to it, as always, you can visit our website, pursuitofinfinity.com, where you can not only listen to the podcast through our integrated media player, but find all the places you can follow us as well. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a sub, a five-star rating, or even a review as these things play a crucial role in extending the reach of our discussions as widely as possible. If you're an avid listener and you want to show some extra support, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash pursuit of infinity, and you'll get some great stuff in return, so head on over there for the details. Give us a follow on Instagram or at pursuit of infinity pod and keep up with news, episode drops, memes, and general musings. Also, you'll find links below to our Discord server and YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash at Pursuit of Infinity. All of our episodes are always posted there in video format, as well as an array of shorts that we have been putting together on a regular basis. Now, with all of that out of the way, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Pursuit of Infinity. I'm your host, Josh, and if you're listening to the audio version, you would have heard a short introduction to our guest today, but if you're watching the video, I'm here today with Seth Harris. Seth, thank you so much for joining me today, man. Yeah, it finally happened. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we went back and forth a little bit. Um, I just had some tech issues for a while, but we're here. We're doing it. Um, you had me on your podcast a little while ago. That's effing weird, which is amazing. So everybody go check that out. Great podcast. You guys cover a lot of awesome topics. And when I came on your podcast, I expected to like educate you guys on psychedelics because I wasn't really sure like where you guys were at. But then you popped on and you just had all this knowledge of esoteric and occult stuff along with psychedelics, uh, which surprised me. So how'd that all start for you? Okay. Well, first I owe you an apology. We had you on that stuff and weird. And despite like three people sp supposedly having uh, having to back up stuff and having files, we lost your file and never were able to upload it. So we want you back at some point because that was an awesome conversation. I think it was like three hours long. Um, but my background, I don't know. It, I mean, maybe like post, I grew up in pretty sheltered environment and, uh, and realizing that at the time I had complaints but as I've gotten older I appreciate that sheltered environment or the at least the the um you know the wanting to create that for me and I as an adult I very much appreciate it but at the time uh I was just trying to kind of break out of of just understand as much as I could on my own uh and so you know like mushrooms were floating around research chemicals were floating around you know uh weed and and alcohol and and 
there's definitely with, with in the in the whole umbrella of psychedelics they can absolutely uh cause problems but they also have huge benefits to them it's like any tool ever you know like social media is you know a great tool if you use it wisely uh but it can also be just a horrible detriment to your life but same thing with anything is kind of my philosophy but um yeah uh I think the first crazy time I ever had with psychedelics was probably salvia divinorum, uh, smoking those extracts, um, completely peeled reality apart. Um, and then, uh, uh, let's see, I think right after that, it was, um, psilocybin and then a few research chemicals and just a lot of use of that stuff. Um, and then, and then I took like this long break because it was just too much. I had to like clean up my life and, and organize everything. And then, uh, I started to cultivate and microdose, uh, 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 mushrooms and, uh, they are awesome for that. But I, then, then I, I did that like a microdose, you know, five days a week for uh, a year or more. And, uh, then I had to back off of that because that can be kind of, uh, anxiety inducing depending on what's going around what's going on in your life uh so but yeah I, I i think they're an amazing tool and can absolutely uh promote like neuroplasticity and a curious mind and getting your internal self all organized and right uh yeah there's a little bit of it so what were some of your experiences like because you know people might hear you say things like helps you get your life in order, helps you to maybe ignite your curiosity. So how, in your view, does it do that? Okay, well, I think that everybody on some level is aware of all their flaws. We all have them. And um, whenever I'm in a altered state, those flaws are uh, magnified times 10. And it's basically all I can think about. Um, so looking at yourself in that kind of mirror context can absolutely um if it's like so debilitating that you're not happy with what you're seeing i don't really see and i guess there's probably two different people they completely stop and just equate it to the that experience or that's not for them but i really do think that um if you stay in it and try to okay, all these things I don't like about myself, well, maybe I should focus on that and fix it. And maybe um, a psychedelic experience won't be as terrifying. And for me, that's true. Uh, you got to kind of clean house and take some accountability of yourself. Um, but yeah, those things can, those things can radically uh, uh, leave an impression on you. As far as experiences, I'll go back to like Salvia Divinorum, which is, is, uh, uh, an extremely interesting one because um, through different documentaries and I believe um, what's his name Morris the guy that does uh, those psychedelic documentaries on compounds Hamilton Morris mm -hmm. he 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 actually did like uh, later on like this is years after I had had Salvia he did like a deep dive on the region where it's from the local cultures that used it generationally and uh in in the west or up up here we, we use it way differently so 
it's it's basically legal in most states, but it's like in this really weird gray area. Um, and it has like what we do is we have like the leaves and then we have uh, extracts that we basically spray on the leaves. So you can get like 5X, 10X, whatever, and get different concentrations of the active uh, compound, which um, I forget the actual name of it. But through later on, kind of looking into the research on it it's a um it's a dissociative drug and uh it, used properly in low doses i've heard that it can help people with like body dysmorphia and stuff because it it can separate like yourself from that and and kind of di disassociation not isn't always a good thing but in this context in going in with intention and bite-sized amounts, it does seem like it has benefits for people, uh, which is just cool. There's like all of these compounds that just exist in nature that when you go into it and in, with a certain intention has all kinds of different benefits and outcomes. Um, but yeah, so salvia was historically used as a chew, kind of like how we would chew tobacco. Um, and it wasn't at, at high enough doses to do what the smoking the extracts will do to you. Um, but it will release a ton of dopamine and then um, have like a dissociative effect. And everyone that does it that way kind of reports a big euphoric kind of experience. Um, but if then when you get into the extracts, it's it's crazy. So whatever you're, it may basically makes you hyper dream while you're awake that's the best way i can describe it so with mushrooms colors are morphing uh shapes and two-dimensional things or like if you're looking at a page like the words will kind of start to holographically project it, but it's it's not like that so like on salvia if you're watching a movie or or for instance you can um you'll see all this stuff, like if you were dreaming, bleed into your like conscious perception. So I remember smoking it and um, like I've, I had this feeling of uh, the couch arm kind of fusing with my head. Things were moving all around me. I remember this one intense experience was when um, I was walking around in my apartment and I had uh, these floors but uh i kept seeing all these shadows dart across the the as if something was flying above me but when i would look up the ceiling i had white ceilings like they were just painted white um there was no ceiling it was just darkness it was like a night sky just nothing was there and uh uh there were all of these root systems um and i don't know how much of this is like perceptions of back then like drug culture or pe pe what people say so i don't know how much of that kind of backlog bled into this but i remember um there were all there were these root systems all around the 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 baseboard of my of my apartment and they would um symmetrically there would be these kind of pillars that would grow up of vines and they would be uh like native american heads but j without the jaw, it would basically be like just the head and the palate and no jaw. And they were all growing from these vines, like uh, 
uh, in very evenly spaced columns all around the house. There was no roof. It was just blackness. But anytime I looked at the floor, it was um, things were flying around. The shadows of something above me were darting all around. And I would look up and there was nothing there. Um, so that was crazy. Um, I remember, I remember, uh, in, in the midst of a trip, I remember calling my mom and saying, I, I thought people were in an air vent. Uh, and I, and she was like, what are you talking about? It just like, it was, uh, I, I probably scared her a few times. I, and I've, since then I've apologized to her. I'm like, sorry, I kind of went off the deep end mom. Um, but the, uh. Yeah, I remember I remember being convinced people were in the air vents and I was asking questions like why and there all of this stuff, stuff that just doesn't make any sense, uh, like dream logic in the waking world. And then um, I remember watching some movie and uh, my floor turned into like a bird's nest. So it was just like completely crazy stuff. I remember it was one time uh, I had my head on like the the couch arm that kind of my head fused with and there was like a um ferris wheel that was rotating at like a at like sideways but the but the chairs and all of the ends of the ferris wheel were rotating into my head and then out um uh so yeah that was salvia for me wild man i've never taken salvia but i have heard people who've had similar experiences uh my brother told me about an experience where he was outside and like he just was looking at the grass after he smoked it and he saw like just the grass kind of moving side to side. And he was like, oh, man, that's cool. You know, that's neat. And it was like dancing. And then just everything just fell apart from there. You know, like his whole reality just began to peel off. Like you said, it's like it just peels apart your reality. And to me, like the benefit of that is like realizing that reality isn't what we're looking at here. It's not just what we perceive with our senses. There's something out there that's like on a higher level. It makes me think of reality as like a field of information or something like that. And like currently what we're doing right now is we're in taking that information with our five senses. You know, we're just defining the world based off of that, based off of our physical ability to survive. And then when you take a psychedelic like salvia, LSD, DMT, psilocybin, it shows you that there are other ways of interpreting the information field. And to me, that was just amazing. That blew my, my entire reality apart and, and like ignited my curiosity and got me into like a lot of other things um, that I would never have delved into before, like religion, Buddhism, esoteric, occult stuff. So... I assume that probably did the same thing to you. What kind of stuff did it get you into and how did it ignite your curiosity? Um, it definitely ignited curiosity, just all of those things. I mean, well, you have experiences like that and, and you got a lot of questions at the end of it. Like, it's like, I mean, I, the, the main, the classic one is, well, how much of that is my brain versus, uh, is any of that real? Like, uh, you know, like we we have our brain is this extremely, uh, extremely good at filtering out background information just for survival's sake. Uh, uh, you, I think that if we had a, the full scope of reality, like the, our 
the vessels we're in would just be inoperable. There would be so much information coming in. We we just would forget to eat, be eaten by a predator. Like there, there there's just so much going on. Uh, and then you think I, I mean, the the whole th- and I think we had this conversation. Uh, it's like the physical body. If you were to kind of think of it as as tuning a, a radio that tunes in to a frequency, uh, yeah, we have a very limited bandwidth on what that frequency is. So those kind of questions are like how much of what I just saw or experienced is real? Um, is my physical body's tuning, uh, in, into whatever reality frequency, whatever that is, however you want to explain it, is it picking up things that are there, but we don't normally, we normally filter out, um, or is it just a bunch of wires getting crossed in the brain? I don't know, but but th- those kind of questions. And I always I always was kind of a curious person or a kid. Uh, but that that just kind of drew my attention to a whole kind of other world of of questions that I probably wouldn't have gotten into. But um, yeah, like alchemical stuff, all of that stuff is fascinating because uh, uh, you know, you 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 scratch into it and it kind of is like um you know even something like the philosopher's stone is definitely uh you know people misinterpreted that as or or the whole thing is as transmuting baser elements into gold but uh what i think really what it was was transmutation of suffering into something useful uh or you know those kind of things basically ancient coping mechanisms uh, kind of put in this high art form and kind of uh, philosophical context to to navigate this kind of place you're just dropped into. Because uh, if you really think about it, it's really strange. Uh, just existing period is is very very weird. Uh, uh, and 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 the and the I'm not gonna give any credence to all these different theories of like these scientific theory theories on space and reality and and the planet or 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 anything i i think just if you look at it as if you're a kid and and you know nothing because we we i don't I, my opinion is we we know extremely very very little uh it it look it's it's just extremely strange that we even exist and are uh are are thinking and conscious and and uh like like that just that idea that you're on a um like this kind of theory i'm not saying it's right or wrong but it's it's like you're on a uh a spherical rock uh uh possibly just floating in a giant black void uh revolving around a ball of fire and and your rock just happens to have enough mass to create a dent supposedly in space and time that that gives way to uh, a phenomenon we call gravity that that is just the right amount to coalesce a, an atm- a breathable atmosphere of gases around you it's crazy because it if you think about it that way it's like we're on a, a giant um huge spaceship with uh and plants are like basically the uh life support system for oxygen and food and everything it's 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 really weird it's basically we're in a sci-fi hate to break it to everybody (laughs) it's wild yeah and it's it's interesting when you look up at space or even when you look at any sort of 
like scientific paradigm that is built around space. As you said, you know, we, we identify gravity, gravitational waves and all of these things. But when you look at space for what it is, like what the hell is all this shit up there? Like we don't even have any conception because it seems like for like where I start with this is like the Gaian hypothesis, like that Gaian mind idea where there's like a, the earth is its own organism and it has its own intelligence, its own consciousness, and it sort of births us along with all the other plants and animals. And we all sort of have our own role to fill within the life cycle of the earth. And if you look at the rest of the the solar system, you can sort of see, and you can, you can get um, like a pattern recognition because that's what, that's what we are really. Humans are pattern recognition animals. You know, we recognize patterns in our environment in order to survive. And we can see some patterns in space, which is fine. But what is space really? That's that's like the ultimate question for me. Like, what's the purpose of gravity? What is the purpose of us moving around the sun in the way that we do? And what's the purpose of the larger picture of a galaxy? And it's just, it's strange, man, because we grow up thinking that we have a handle on this stuff because we learn, you know, certain things from school, certain theories and whatever. but we really have no idea what the hell is going on out there. No, no. Um, um, okay. So I, I love conspiracy theories. Uh, I it's, it's at the very least, it is a, um, imagination fuel for me to just delve into several different ones. And, and what you said kind of reminded me like, uh, it go, it, like I start thinking of in terms of nature and cause you were like talking how the, the earth is, is is alive um so like uh paul stamen's research in mycology and uh the japanese research on uh slime molds uh and how um like something like uh mushrooms mycelium all of that stuff have these interconnected webs of basically like earth internet that where plants and microorganisms can communicate roots tie into that and communicate uh, the trees communicate, they um, send signals. There's like, uh, there's like all these crazy processes I didn't even know existed, like uh, uh, roots uh, send out signals to <clears throat> mushrooms with via sh different types of sugars, uh, knowing like the fall, it's like not temperature triggered. It's, uh, it was something else. I don't quote me on that. But but basically, the, the just the basic idea that trees communicate with the mycelium the mycelium communicate with each other they uh they let whenever there's dead organic matter around they alert uh the, all the other mycelium guys they network and then they break it down to where it's viable nutrients for them and also the byproducts are uh viable nutrients for tree roots i mean the whole thing's just crazy and then and then you get into like those videos on on different platforms like uh, grounding like uh the guy that had a voltage meter in, uh that he plugged into the ground and showed what it read um when he was connected to it and when it was connected to the ground uh versus in a shoe and not a shoe and and so you do that and you create like a um a, a low voltage circuit between you and the earth when you ground and i know that kind of sounds like woo woo to some people but i'm someone that likes like data like i like to see that voltage meter reading something and and 
and at least the humility to a- admit, well, I don't know what the long-term effects of uh, exposing my feet to like the earth's biorhythms versus never doing that. Um, so I, I work in uh, construction and remodel type stuff. So I've got a voltage meter and I tried it and it does work. It's it, it, if you're wearing a shoe, you don't, you get nothing. You, you block that circuit. But if you, if you, if you are touching it with your finger and then touch the, the, the ground near where it's stabbed into the earth, it will, it will read low voltage. And, um, and I do, th- I think that if we just, you know, the modern age is so cool technology. I love it. It's, uh, I think we need to ha- learn how to use it more and be more disciplined. But, um, if we just factored in these basic ideas where we can kind of resync with nature, uh, look at the stars, uh, you know, I think that we, we got a good recipe for where we're headed, uh, uh culturally or like science wise but uh there's so many there's just so much to talk about in this in this uh, subject matter yeah there's so much out there and there's just so much that the scientific paradigm alone can't accomplish and can't get a hold of that's why i always thought when i look at other cultures like amazonian cultures who are you know steeped in ayahuasca who are uh traveling and mapping out the spirit realms and stuff i feel like we have to merge the knowledge and the wisdom that they have with our technological prowess and then we have the wisdom as a foundation to drive our science and to drive our intellectual prowess so it just seems like we're missing an entire half of of the picture Mm -hmm. here yeah yeah i i I just it would be cool if um there's like a lot of ivory towers going on. If just, I, I think within the medical industry, within rungs of government, within different types of researchers, I think that if everyone just kind of got over themselves for a minute and um, just left themselves open to idea, you gotta, you gotta have a guard. You can't have your mind wide open. You gotta have something guarding or filtering out, but you need to have the barn doors open enough to get, new ideas in there and i think if everybody just kind of goes into that mindset uh, i mean you could have uh i i think another problem is we have specialists in everything like you go to school and become a researcher for x like you we have highly specific um degrees we we go for and so in the scientific community there's a lot of people that don't want to comment on something they weren't formerly educated in, you know, uh, outside of their scope. I think that if we had more general education in stuff or had some kind of mechanism that facilitated that more, people would be more comfortable in, because, I mean, imagine if the, like, the neuroscience community, like, the AI community, the um, psychedelic research community, the... uh, Uh, health fitness or longevity researchers just like if everyone communicated more and expressed their opinions without fear of stepping outside of their box we could get some really cool crossover discoveries yeah man absolutely i mean there's definitely a, a place for specialties you know we definitely need like a specific type of surgeon that's able to do a specific yeah. type of brain surgery and you know we need these yeah. things but also, in the operating room, you want to have somebody who understands near-death experiences. You want to have people who understand the religious and spiritual aspect of like 
coming to death and things like that. Like you want to have all types of viewpoints within that operating room because then, you know, you just have more tools to use. As you said earlier, you know, everything we see around us, everything we use, whether it be, you know, psychedelics or cheeseburgers, man, they're all tools. Everything we use is a tool. And I feel like the more tools we have at our disposal, the better off we are in every facet of reality. I agree. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there, there's so, so many, th- so many avenues we could go down. Um, uh, but I, yes, I absolutely agree. There's a lot of tools in the toolbox. We can't be scared of, uh, trying out a new one every now and then. Yeah. Um, psychedelics are my absolute favorite tool because they've just been able to introduce me to things that, you know, no other tool has been able to do. Sure. Meditation can do it. Spiritual practice can do it a lot of times. But man, psychedelics are a fast track directly into that, directly to source. Yeah. Do you have like a protocol? I do. Yeah. And that's actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, like, what's your protocol? What's your set and setting? And for me, it's, you know, usually what I I choose to do mushrooms. Usually Um, I do DMT sometimes. I've done LSD once, um, but mushrooms are my thing. And what I like to do is you know, turn down the lights, light some incense, have like some kind of a little spiritual altar around me, you know, that I can look to, you know, usually I don't even look at it, but I like to have some things around just in case I need to ground myself. Um, But the concept of grounding to me is sort of counterproductive to a psychedelic experience. To me, like you want to be ungrounded. You want to go out as far as possible and if you're trying to ground yourself, it seems to me like you're trying too hard to control the experience and you're taking yourself out of that unity and pulling yourself back into the duality. Of course, there's there are times where you want to ground yourself, but I think just as a general practice, I don't try to ground myself too much. Um, but I like to always play music. Uh, you know, some people like Terrence McKenna would say silent darkness is the way to go. It creates its own music. So you don't really need music if you want to go to those depths. But for me, I really like music because it helps to direct the experience in a way, um, in a positive way. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my protocol is basically low lights, no phones, no keys, and a, a set of rules for anybody who's participating. You know, like we have ground rules and we have intentions set beforehand. Nobody is going to get in their car and drive. There are no weapons around. There are, you know, no phones, no obligations. Nobody's going to come to the door. You know, we've got, you know, I got my dog. So he's a lunatic. He's a, um, a blue healer border collie mix. So as part of my routine, I got to take him out for a hike first to make sure he's chilling by the time we get, we get down to business. Um, and generally what I like to do, man, is just lay down in a comfortable place and close my eyes and just allow the experience to unfold. And sometimes that means opening my eyes back up, connecting with the people around me, going outside, looking up at the stars, you know, smoking some ganja is always a part of my, my tradition as well. Always doing that. Um, but yeah, I like to let the experience guide itself, but generally it's a calm type of environment, not much going on, very comfortable. How about you? What, what's your protocol? Um, okay. So I haven't, um, as of like super lately, I haven't been on one, but my, my go-to protocol, um, all right, well, it depends on if we're talking about like a full on trip or just microdosing microdosing. I, I, uh, I gravitate to more, um, higher doses, uh, where I'm, I'm going to be checked out for 
several hours is a lot more rare for me, especially now. But um, it's been a few years since I've done that. Uh, but yeah, you said like no weapons that, that lock up any kind of thing that could cause a potential problem. I can't stress that enough. Um, and phones. Yeah. You don't want to like text or call people with like incoherent babble. That's another important one. Um, uh, but in terms of my, my go-to protocol, I like, um, I think one of my, and I, this is kind of the background I'm coming from. So like way back when as a kid and high school, post high school, I had, I had trouble with procrastination or, um, there like this kind of feeling like the, the more pressure something required of me, the more I would like retreat. Um, uh, and I don't like that. I, I didn't like that about myself. Um, so my go-to would be like coffee, some, uh, a microdose of mushrooms. And I figured out kind of where my threshold is of, of dried ground, uh, uh, cubensis in capsules, about a gram, about a gram right in there is a sweet spot. If I go over that, um, my visual field gets too distorted and, uh, and the inner thoughts become too intense and I'm not productive. But in terms of productivity, uh, coffee, nicotine, and about a gram of dried mushrooms uh, and, that, and, and exercise. Um, so usually it would be like um, uh, nicotine. I don't, I don't like inhaling anything. Uh, I try to keep it as the administration as clean as possible, whether it be a nicotine patch or some kind of uh, subliminal uh, form of nicotine. And um, uh, I have always like really liked stimulants. It, it just kind of goes with my personality and biology for some reason. So uh, caffeine, nicotine, about a gram of mushrooms, and then go to the gym and uh, lift weights and then start the day. And I'm extremely, um, I can multitask better than, than, what I, what old Seth would be like, I could, uh, um, get just more accomplished during the day or that fear of procrastination leading into just wasted time, uh, has become, uh, intense enough throughout all of this to where, um, sees, I seize the day uh, way more effectively than I ever used to. Uh, because uh, I mean, the one value any human has is time. That's the biggest, that's the biggest, uh, asset you've got period i mean before anything uh you know time leads to understanding time can transmute into currency if you you know sell enough of your time to a company or whatever uh but yeah just focus on your time and at least for me that has gotten it to where or, or just accomplishing more with the time you're given squeeze as much as you can out of that and that is a very comforting kind of thing that all of this has led to for me. So what's your microdosing protocol when you do, do you usually do it like every day, two days off, three days on? Like, I know there's a bunch of different protocols. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it has a, you get, um, you, your body gets used to, um, like, okay. So if like I, I but before it was a gram, it used to be much less. Um, you, you can build up a tolerance extremely fast with psilocybin. That's what I've noticed. You don't like, okay, even, even on like the fifth day that just doesn't, 
pack a punch. So, and you got to realize I'm, I have like emptied uh, gelatin capsules that I'm measuring stuff out. I know what a gram is. Um, and then sometimes like, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a compressible, like when you grind up a mushroom, it's co very compressible. So when you feel like you're not getting what you were getting at the beginning of the week, you can kind of press more in that gram capsule um, at, in terms of density. Uh, but it would kind of like, if I'm being exact, it would kind of like fluctuate up and down like that. Um, it would probably be about five days earlier. It would be all the time. Uh, after like understanding more about it, um, uh, it seemed like it was a healthy practice to take like a two or three day weekend away from it and get those receptor sites kind of back to normal so you could go back in it again. Um, but it would usually be uh, about five days a week. And that I think the longest stretch was like like six months or five months or somewhere in there. I'm like ballparking of like continual use. Um, but yeah, and, and I don't, I wish there were more studies on long-term effects of, of that. Um, uh, because, uh, cause I just want to make sure that even though there's a lot of positive benefits to that tool that I'm not activating some or, or unforeseen consequence of, of like wearing out those pathways. Like I know stimulants, like you can use, um, cocaine or Adderall or any of the amphetamines and it speeds up your like neuro processing the speed in which all those neurons are firing are much faster but uh you can build up amyloid plaques uh really fast that way and if you're not if you don't have like a really good sleep regiment uh you, you could there's a potential that you're not clearing that out and it could lead to some form of dementia long term um, I, I don't now when it comes to psilocybin, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that exactly, but there might be a mechanism because, um, your neurons are definitely firing faster and more of them on psilocybin, especially some of the data I've seen on brain scans. I don't know if it follows the exact same pathways those kind of previously mentioned stimulants do, but, um, I, I just wish there were long form studies on that, on, on brain chemistry or whatever the brain's doing. I mean, you're an electrical being as well as a chemical be being. Uh, it would just be nice to have like long form data and whatnot to know. No, it's not that dangerous long term. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's known that, or at least it's speculated that, um, psilocybin promotes neurogenesis and promotes the, uh, you know, the, the addition of different neural pathways, which allow people to get over traumas and also like with microdosing, allow people to enhance their creativity, enhance their senses and things like that. Um, but yeah, man, my, my real interest, cause I've tried microdosing before and it was cool, but my main love for psilocybin and psychedelics come from that macro dose, man. Um, until I know you have a bad trip, which happens. Uh, have you ever had a, a quote unquote bad trip? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, it was, it was like, uh, it was like with a bunch of irresponsible people that didn't take it seriously. It was kind of used as like a party. Okay. Well, it was used kind of in a party setting. Um, and that kind of chaos while you're in that headspace is it can be trouble troubling um 
I think the worst worst one is uh, uh, there was there was this person that I got supposedly the um, psilocybin crystals from like someone had extracted it. In hindsight, I'm not so sure it was psilocybin crystals. I've heard that it can be done and there's some people that are really good at it at isolating them. Um, but there is absolutely no way to know if if what me and my friend took one time was that uh in hindsight i wonder if it was spiked with who knows what um but it was a very we had like uh uh it started off like mushrooms it it very much seemed like psilocybin to begin with it was like the deterioration and also i at the time and i still not i i wouldn't know how to dose pure crystals like right even now i wouldn't know like how much is too much how much is just right um so like I remember we took a a capsule uh, and, you know, too much time had gone by. In reality, I probably had no idea how much time was passing Um, and then had the mistake of doubling the dose because we were like worried that it it wasn't enough. Um, So and and to illustrate, like um, there's pill capsule sizes are weird. They're like measured in zero zero or zero or zero 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 it they're like rated like double a batteries it's it's a strange way but i think the zeros the less zeros the more capacity it was and if i had to guess it was like a it was either a two zero or a three zero size pill capsule so like maybe a 500 milligrams somewhere in there but like two of those so we're talking like if it was psilocybin crystals probably after everything was said and done close to a gram of pure crystals which is like completely different than dry fungus um and we had like measures put in place like we had uh dumb and dumber queued up on the tv in case things got weird because it was like a funny comforting movie um and then we had like some music queued up I remember we listened to the gorillas dare, which was absolutely outstanding tripping balls. It is like, uh, you became the music. I mean, that song on mushrooms is insane or whatever I was on. Um, and then, uh, and then, so then we had another album queued up and I remember things started getting weird. He started freaking out. And yelling all this kind of crazy stuff, which affected me heavily. I, I, I started internally worrying about everything. I remember um, we put on, we finally put on Dumb and Dumber to calm things down. And um, uh, Jim Carrey, or uh, Lloyd's face, broke into a bunch of vibrating cubes as he talked. The, what he was saying made no sense. It was just these fluctuating uh, cubicle segmentations of his face, just like uh, splitting and opening and vibrating apart whenever he spoke. That became crazy. We ran out into the parking lot, which was a gravel parking lot, and the gravel just looked like TV static. Um, so at, at this point, you know, we're freaking out, and we make the worst choice ever by putting on parliament funkadelic's maggot brain album on surround sound (laughs) and to this day i still feel like i'm about to ease into a trip when that 
when uh maggot brain starts because that song is so like burned into my psyche and it's uh it's a horrible feeling like uh, it, it will literally make me feel like that you know that feeling like that rise where it's like oh it's about to happen like 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 you're about you're going up a roller coaster and you're like all right I'm not in control anymore I get like those kind of um beginnings of that feeling whenever that music plays and I'm stone cold sober middle of the day just working and it gets thrown up on my I got to remove it from my Spotify playlist just so that doesn't happen but uh that that song just made the whole night descend into madness um uh like he was upstairs screaming nonsense uh uh I was downstairs trying to like piece my mind back together and uh and then he came down and was like wrapped in a, I'm I'm not I, I can totally talk about this cuz I'm not saying his name but uh he came down wrapped in a blanket and just started pissing himself and he and he like looked at himself while he was pissing and he looked up at me and he's like is this okay and i'm like it's 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 everything's fine man Every, i was just trying to like make sure that everyone was staying sane but he was just pissing in front of me through his clothes it was the floor was getting drenched and he just had this panicked like childlike look on his face like is this okay um and so I'm over by the refrigerator trying to piece my mind back together. And the way I was doing, I had, I had this, like this horrible, like internal vision where, uh, I was at my doctor's and he was like, he's finally done it. He's broken himself. And like that kind of idea was just spinning around in my head. And so I remember trying to piece my mind back together by trying to go through the, the mental process of how humans are made. Like, all right, you got, uh, 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 a man and you got a woman and I was going through the whole procreation cycle just to like tether myself I don't know why my mind went to that but it was like extremely visceral and um, just that was what I did to stay sane and and then the night started easing up and uh, kind of but you know you kind of like wake up at the same time like from the trip uh, where there's like this really weird transition where um, all of a sudden your dopamine kind of goes back to normal and you're and you're in after all that ter terror, absolute terror, um, at least for me, this is my experience after a, a horrifying trip and the terror, there is this breakthrough moment where you're just uh, extremely clear headed and your dopamine is back. And in reality, I would imagine my dopamine isn't that high it's just that compared to what my mind just went through by comparison it's like so much more pleasant so there's always like kind of this peaking breakthrough moment of clarity and then you just kind of slowly wake up back to like normal cognition um but uh after all that was said and done uh he just looked shell-shocked i left I drove and I remember on my way home, I, I parked in like a, a dollar general parking lot and just wept. I was just like crying. It was so the whole experience was so insane. So in that kind of context, the only thing I will say is, um, in my opinion, based on my experiences, psilocybin uh, used the wrong way or at high enough doses can absolutely induce some form of PTSD. Um, I mean, it, it just, they're that powerful, uh, but they also can like unwind 
from what I've heard, uh, other types of PTSD. So it's like, again, back to our, both our point, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a tool of very varying uses and it, it's unbelievably powerful stuff. It's just crazy that that stuff is just kind of in nature by default and can, can do that to a person's mind. <laughs> yeah, man. And a lot of people, they claim to, uh, like learn the most and have the most profound sort of revelations from those really crazy bad experiences. And I can I can speak from experience there. You know, I've I've had my fair share of uh, of messed up trips, and I have learned a lot from them, uh, especially respecting the substance, as you said, using it the right way, uh, because it's like using it the right way is a matter of whether or not you're going to get PTSD or whether or not you're going to cure your PTSD if you have them. You know what I mean? And that goes for a lot of psychological ailments. You can really mess yourself up psychologically if you use these tools wrong, but you can also uh, take advantage of just an immense capacity for healing as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I'm so much more versed on natural compound like stuff that exists. Um, I've never had uh full blown acid. I've had research chemicals close to LSD, um, which were weird and more like euphoric. It's almost and and I, uh, growing up like uh MDMA was around. But I knew enough about my my brain that I knew it would probably like that kind of drug would probably be a bad idea for me specifically because my uh, my highs are high and my lows are low already. So uh, I just naturally stayed away from that because I saw how people were just um, indescribably happy and joyful and it was like, man, I do, I could not imagine the low point of that for me. Like the, because I mean, my idea is that most everything is on like this frequency scale, and you go up, uh, there's going to be an equal, uh, there's going to be an equal down to that up on the way on the wavelength. And for me, I stayed away from that. But the but the closest thing, I think it was like something like two ci. It was something like that. Um. And it was on paper and subliminal, but uh, I don't know enough about those. The I don't know enough about um, LSD or or anything like that or the research chemicals. But the the one that I was on was way more euphoric, and you could at least at least I could function and think. But there was a lot of visual disturbances, like you'd see stuff in the corner of your eyes more, and, and then you'd look and it would be gone or. Um, and then there was just euphoria. So in terms of, of intense trip, like psychedelics, uh, psilocybin and, and, um, uh, what do you call it? Salvia divinorum, pretty much the things I have the most experience with the, uh, I will say that in more modern day, Seth, I did try after learning more about, uh, salvia divinorum, I got uh, a little bit of extract and just dried, just straight up dried leaves and prepared a chew that was as close as I, I it's very difficult to get a hold of fresh leaves, but um, uh, I tried to mimic what the indigenous people in South America do uh, by default with that, that compound. And it's, it's just chewing it and letting it soak into your mouth. And so I did that with the dry stuff, the only stuff that I could get access to. 
And um, I remember I, I was actually working in the yard. I was doing yard work and I was having the best time. I felt very good, but I remember having these um, like I do a lot of like video art. So um, I, I kind of daydream while I'm working or especially if I'm listening to music or something. But uh, I was listening to some music and while I just kind of held all this, you know, salvia chew in my mouth. I was having these intense visions uh, for a video that I wanted to do later. And I could see it was like extremely specific. There was like a back red light and the camera was looking down a tube. And there was a woman in slow motion in between the backlight and looking down the tube. And it was incredibly vivid. Now, it wasn't like a trip or full on hallucination. It was just in my mind's eye. I, I've never seen anything so clear. And so I just stopped the yard work and started working on that. And the resulted video came out way better than I had uh, ever ex expected it to match what I saw in my head. Like, it was so crazy how it just matched what I saw in my head. Um, but yeah, it makes me want to to use subliminal uh, salvia more because it's not scary for me. It's not in too intense. It's... It, and and I can function and I'm I'm not gonna try to drive, but I would imagine I could drive on it, uh, but I'm not going to. Um but I'm just trying to illustrate how how much kind of physical body clarity I had. Um but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another, sorry for the tangent. No, no, I love the tangents, man. Um you mentioned that you called your mom on psychedelics, you know, you've done them with friends and yeah. stuff like that. Do you have a good support system and like does your family understand? Are they cool with it? I mean, of the ones that know I use it in a microdosing capacity, yeah. And, and uh, um, in fact, I've I've convinced some to try it, and uh, very open-minded people in my family that are uh, that um, I think the only and I and as at my age now, I think the only thing that uh, concerned family members are concerned over is like reckless use of anything. And, uh, as like this version of myself, this age, I, I mean, it's like clear, like I'm responsible now and I, and I, and I follow through with things and I'm not doing things that are just, uh, you know, unstable or outlandish. So, um, so in that context, people are, you know, especially curious people are way more apt to listen to the benefits of something, um, and uh, so that's that's the way it is in my family. Yeah, that's the way it is for me too. Pretty much identical. Um, you know, the people who understand it, they're cool about it. You know, they know that I use it responsibly, and I have introduced it to you know some of my friends and family as well, which has been amazing. Um, and I introduced it to my fiance. Actually, I talk about this all the time on the podcast. But uh, me and my fiance were going through some rough times a few years back. And, uh, we did mushrooms together and it changed everything. I mean, it, it healed our relationship oh, awesome. just in ways that I, I could never even have imagined beforehand. You know, it allowed us to like connect on a level that was just impossible any other way. We were able to see each other for who we are, our, our natural, real soul spirit self. And also Touching the divine together is something that I think is very underrated when people, when people talk about psychedelics and doing them in groups, because man, that just changes everything. Individually, it changed everything for me to touch something that I previously didn't think was possible because 
my whole life I was a staunch atheist. I mean, really hardcore, like hated the idea of religion, of God, of all that stuff. You know, I was the kind of person that would go on the internet, on Facebook, and just like try to seek out arguments to, you know, externally validate myself because I wasn't comfortable with my own skin. I, you know, actually low key probably hated myself. But then like after feeling that divine thing, you know, touching source changed my whole life. It changed everything for me. And feeling that with your significant other or with your friends, like it creates a bond that is unbreakable, man. Even to this day, you know, I have one of my best friends. Um, we took psychedelics together a lot and we don't talk as much anymore. You know, he has a family. I got my thing going and, you know, we're, we've separated a bit. But when we come back together, man, it feels like no time has passed because that bond that we were able to create together is just timeless. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I would very much. I've had um, probably not as uh, I would I would rate it probably lower than than your experience. You, you seem like you had like a really nice uh, bonding time with your uh, fiance. I've I if you if you trip with a special person it can be extremely rewarding. I I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, and I'd imagine it could be. So I'm rating my experience slower than yours. There was some distractions going on, but the time uh that I've had doing that was very nice with uh, a significant other, but unfortunately later on there was like a, a ton of distractions in the house. Yeah, that happens, man. It, it It's tough. It's so unpredictable, too, because when you go into that experience, like when people come to me and they ask me, like, you know, what can I expect with a psychedelic or like, how should I approach it? I just say, like, really, I can't tell you. The only thing I can say is that you're probably going to have a very profound and very, very powerful experience. So whatever that means to you or whatever that could potentially mean for you, just prepare for that because it can go in really any direction especially when you, yeah. you take a real high dose. Yes, yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, 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 it, it's renewed my... I've, I've been away um, even from the microdosing for a little while now, and it's kind of... Re like the, I, every now and then I have like this idea, like, oh, I need to I need get back into that. It's uh, Having enough of them on hand is, uh, is time-consuming on its own, but uh, I just need to... I just need to restart. Honestly, man, it's been a little while for me. I've been trying to like my journey right now is trying to like regain the courage I used to have because I had a really, really bad experience um, a few years ago on five grams and it was Ooh. so bad. And now I haven't taken five grams since I used to. Yeah. We used to these take are these are dry, dry. Yes, yes. Dry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So since then, I haven't taken five grams. I, I just haven't gotten back to that yet. So my current journey is like trying to reignite my courage to get back to the place that I was when I was able to just not nonchalantly, but sort of nonchalantly go into it without too much of a worry or a concern, which then brings me back to, uh, you know, respecting the substance. I guess we didn't respect the substance and it put us down for it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how um human ego likes to sneak in different places. Um I remember I remember uh a, a a guy way back when 
you know, um, kind of bragging about his ego deaths and, and this and that. But uh, it got to the point where it was like, well, you got a lot of ego for your ego deaths. It was it was funny. <laughs> but yeah, human human ego is is a sneaky thing. It, it can sneak up on you. And and that goes back. I mean, I think we're kind of talking about the same thing. Like uh, um, if you're internally stuff isn't right or organized or something that you're not liking about yourself uh, like it's kind of just magnified to an extreme degree. Um, and, and I, I would imagine that's the, that would probably be the instigator of the majority of bad trips, but I don't know. Yeah. It feels that way. Or just, I mean, disrespecting the substance in general. Like if you're just not in a good headspace that day or that minute or that second, even, um, it, it just, it could take a turn for the worse at any time. And I've had experiences where, you know, I've prepared perfectly and there's been nothing wrong. Everything's great. And parts of the experience are really bad. But usually when you get past those really hard parts, generally during the come up, the peak usually improves and it becomes a mm-hmm. beautiful, amazing experience when you can sort of get over yourself. Have you ever, have you ever stacked uh, outside of, uh, outside of cannabis, have you ever stacked um, psychedelics onto different psychedelics. I never have. I've never had the balls to do that. Have you? No. Um, no. Uh, in my reckless days, there there was like, you know, taking other stupid stuff, stuff you should not, or at least in my my opinion, should not take with. But like uh, Adderall, uh, Xanax, and and other and alcohol and mushrooms don't really mix together, <laughs> at least for me. Um, uh, so they're like stacking that kind of stupid stuff, but, uh, no, I wish, um, I don't know. I, you know, if I, if I did a mushroom trip, I would probably try to stack it with the blinguinal salvia. And, and, and I go back to that because those are the two that I have the most experience with. I would imagine the, um, the, 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 well the at the breakthrough clarity and just like all the neurons firing during a trip added you add that euphoric disassociative compound to it i would imagine it would be nice but i i don't i don't think i've ever stacked that before with it i that'll be for further research (laughs) i would like to smoke dmt while on mushrooms i think that would be kind of fun see what that would be like you know like it would would it change the experience you think or would it maybe like cancel out the psilocybin and just blast you away on dmt i I wonder i don't know i've uh i have tried dmt and it didn't work uh we we got some uh i did the whole i mean i did a bunch of research on it because i didn't want to waste it and it just nothing happened um, and, uh, it, it, uh, it has a pungent smell, right? It has a really particular, okay. I think I had legit stuff, but nothing happened. And I've heard everyone, if, if there is one I, I would, I would do because I don't have, like, I wouldn't have to invest the, you know, eight plus hours. Uh, it would probably be DMT and I would go in super humble because I wouldn't want those clockwork elves smacking me down. Uh, but that was that's something I want to ask you is um, because in this conversation of wondering how much is you know neurons firing your own brain kind of creating a reality versus 
you're dissolving something to where you're you have more bandwidth to soak in actual reality like whether which one is true or if it's a blend of the two um the one thing that oh, i always go back to is with ayahuasca which um i've tried to prepare but i didn't have a uh what is it a um what's the inhibitor that you the, have to add to the vine maoi inhibitor yeah the maoi um, the monoamine oxidase inhibitor what is it harmaline or harmine or something like yeah, that they use from it's from Psychotria viridis, which, by the way, what a badass name, a plant called Psychotria viridis. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't have that inhibitor, so I did an experiment where I got the vines, and they're surprisingly easy to get a hold of, and they're extremely, like, you know if you have a cappy vine. It's, it's a very particular kind of vine. Um, grounded up, made a, uh, made a, brew of it and for good measure because i wanted to see what would happen if i just drank the stuff you do get a tummy ache if you just drink ground up cappy vine from a boiling pot but for good measure i so stupid but i i threw in some clonopin in in the brew just to see what would happen and um me and a buddy uh uh drank it and uh it was very, he kept saying he felt like he was in uh, Dragon Ball Z, like the Super Saiyan weird thing. The way I would articulate it, it was like all your nerve endings were buzzing. It was extremely strange. No actual trip happened, but it was like a very weird feeling all over your body of like all your nerves you were, I, I was hyper aware of, and everything was just vibrating. And, and uh, I guess that's what he called feeling like a uh uh like he was in dragon ball z but i don't know fun fact he's a cop now <laughs> <laughs> yeah man in terms of like whether or not what you're experiencing is like a dissolving of the veil so that you can see or experience more of reality uh, i feel like that that's the way it is you know and my yeah. intellectual mind wants to say no it's probably both or like you know it's just my mind thinking that or the experience itself is is uh, sort of influencing me to say that, but it truly does feel that way. It really feels like, especially with DMT, it like literally transports you to like a different place. It's weird because you feel like you're you're you, you're there, you're breathing, you feel your heartbeat. Um, I remember I I was noticing my swallowing. I was like, oh okay, so I'm still in my body. Yeah. That yeah. that was a very strange thing, and and when I did swallow, it felt like uh, the swallow was like an earthquake, and it just reverberated out throughout my whole body. It was very strange, but it's the weird thing about it is that you are fully yourself, you're fully there, but it's like you're transported to a different environment. All of reality yeah. is just switched. Like the channel on the TV is 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 switched to something else. Okay, I have a question because I all right. It's really interesting. You you mentioned something really specific. So um, when I tr tried DMT, I I was I I picked a great spot. It was like this old dock in the middle of a lake. Uh, lay down. I I ha I mean, after research of like, okay, you got to get it real vaporized. You had to have like a medium on top. You had a pipe, and and then I mean, I inhaled it all, held it in my lungs for quite a while. And just nothing happened. I remember being so like put off by that. Um, but the one thing you just mentioned was like you were aware of your swallowing. 
anytime I have mushrooms or any kind of psychedelic, what the way I know it's about to all kick in is I'm extremely aware of the of of like the swallowing uh, sensation in my chest, like right in here and like right in here in my neck. It, it's like this really specific feeling, and then it everything just starts happening. Uh, but, but that's how I know it's all. I don't know what that is. I, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone mention that. You know, I, I get that. And uh, my teeth as well feel a little strange. You know, I get this weird like tingling sensation in my teeth and um, a buzzing begins to happen in my ears. It's like a zoom, like a, a moving, morphing buzzing. It's, ah, it's so weird. I have no explanation for the strange physical uh, stimuli and phenomena that happen after after taking a psychedelic. It's it's fucking weird. <laughs> that is weird. Interesting. Yeah. Um. And the other thing I wanted to ask was, uh. Okay. So one of the things that always kind of drew me to like the Cappy Vine and all of those kind of things were the stories I've heard story after story where people go on ayahuasca retreats and they have group hallucinations of entities in different places, but they all see them and they're usually somewhere where they're kind of just like watching and then they go away or, or, um, or they're always there, but everyone is aware of them. Um, the same thing in like DMT, everybody comes back reporting that there is something there. There is like this high pitched fast thing that is occupying this geometrical space. And why that is so interesting is like uh i don't know if you're too familiar with the gateway process that was uh yeah so that you know the fact that our federal government through the cia were funding experiments w w relating to dmt and other compounds and frequency machines to send military guys into uh, a dmt realm uh, and they they had all these different names for it, but the declassified papers are fascinating because they spent money to send soldiers into DMT space, essentially into like a like a a different dimension and to try to bring back information. That is just so wild. <laughs> it's extraordinary, dude. Yeah, the gateway process is very very interesting just in itself. Um, but yeah, man. They also related those uh, experiments to remote viewing, right? Yeah, there was a lot of that stuff and out-of-body uh, practices, remote viewing, and they would also try to... They had like a main test that they did during um, early MK Ultra days where they were they had cards with objects on them and, and they tried to... Pro they, they would kind of give a score on... Um, uh, like six sensibilities where, you know, you'd be like, okay, there, some people would have like really high scores knowing what was on the card that they couldn't see or what was in a box or this or that other people scored low and they would rate uh, the participants. Uh, they did a lot of crazy stuff between like the late fifties and the mid seventies, just really weird experiments that we weren't, I mean, we were kind of aware of, but we we were, are more aware of now just from, uh, uh, what is it, the Freedom of Information Act? Yeah, and as, like, the esoteric and spiritual stuff starts to gain more traction culturally, 
you know, we're, we're starting to see and, uh, experience some of that stuff. And, uh, it's be, it's becoming, if it's not becoming unveiled to us, we're, we're seeing more of it regardless. We're able to do the research and, and take a look at it. And I mean, that's, it's starting with the UFOs as well, man. They're really, they're, mm-hmm. they're coming down. Uh, disclosure seems to be happening. It's really interesting to me. Um, I'm super yeah. excited to see what, what we have in store there. Oh, man, if, okay. So with the thing that blows my mind, okay. So I have like two opinions on all this UFO, UFO stuff. Sorry. There's like a crazy storm going on near me, which is fitting for this podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, I like, I like storms are cozy. Um, so I'm getting a bunch of alerts, but, uh, the, okay. So I'm on two sides of the fence here. So either this is a giant psyop, like project blue beam type psyop where they're trying to, uh, figure out how many people they can dupe into believing they have UFOs or, or, or have come in contact with entities or it's real. And the kind of um, clandestine structure of the internal parts of our government are dissolving and this stuff is real and coming out because in my opinion, this is like we're in the end of the empire. This is the decline of the empire, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing there. I, I believe there's some opportunities there, but if you look at, all right, so these UFOs that the military, the Air Force are filming, they defy logic. There's stuff that's coming in and out of the ocean. There's uh, stuff doing these uh, uh, flights that we have absolutely no idea how technologically in our framework we would do that. Um, either it's them doing it, and this is a PSYOP, or it's real. And and then if it's real, I have like these other fragmented ideas like the idea that something from a really far star system i feel like is the lowest in my opinion it's possible uh but lowest like okay all a civilization would have to do is figure out how to like fold space time or something and then these immense distances wouldn't be that far off of a concept so if there's a civilization that's that's harnessed that idea of manipulating space time and they could get here in you know hours versus you know light years okay there's that idea or there are these beings that can uh shift in and out of dimensions that have always been among us and then and then the third would be like what if there is a uh okay because there's there's a really disturbing experiment you can do with fleas people probably heard about it um you can take fleas and put them in a jar and they they first off they can jump at ridiculous heights but if you put them in this like six inch jar they will uh and leave them in there for a while they will they will all of a sudden be kind of hard-coded to only jump that height multiple experiments have been done on this and what's even more disturbing is that their offspring have the same uh, uh, effect without even being exposed to the jar. They all have been kind of bred to jump a certain height. So this leads into like the most disturbing thought, if this is all real that the government is leaking. Um, what if there has been a, uh, a higher uh, organism that has always been here and and we essentially are like cattle that have been trained it goes back to the whole fenord thing like people equate it with like the seven families or like um uh deep uh social conditioning 
uh, and manipulation where uh, the word fnord that we use as as a substitute to describe this word, but in reality, these uh, these these uh, this hierarchical um, humans have bred the lesser humans to respond to a, a word that we can neither see nor hear or read, but we hear it, and the only effect it has is we we go into like a panic mode. So like. They could say it in a news broadcast. The news, the people that say it aren't really aware they're saying it, but it's been slipped into their script that they read, and then they are not aware they're saying it. They can't hear it or read it, but they can, they could, when they read it, they're not actively conscious that they're saying it, which then in turn creates panic in the public. They could put it in a newspaper, they could put it in a news broadcast, they could put it wherever they want and manipulate stock markets, manipulate panic buying, manipulate human behavior on a whole based on these this word or words that we've been bred to like not consciously be aware of so that's disturbing but like forget about the seven families and all that kind of stuff or like the merovingians but like think of it in terms of like the flea experiment what if there's just a higher uh organism that's always been here maybe they're in the ocean maybe they're uh maybe they can like slip between the veil of 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 uh are are three dimensions of height, width, and depth. Maybe there's like the fourth or fifth dimension where they can just kind of hide and observe. And they've been uh they've been always here and we're just cattle to them. I think that's the most disturbing idea. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Or like um we're some sort of a zoo or something yeah, for yeah. a higher <laughs> level. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of the psyop thing, man, I think about that every single time I see any sort of news on the subject. I always have to ground myself with this whole idea yeah. that it is so very possible that the entire thing is a psyop. And I remember way back when Project Bluebeam was first being discovered as like a conspiracy theory. I remember people were talking about Project Bluebeam as like the rapture. They were going to bring Jesus back or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And I said to like the people that I would talk to about it, I said, no, no, no. If they're going to do this, it's going to 100% be aliens and UFOs. They're going to do some, some sort of like a, a UFO invasion. Yeah. And when you start to like, I've been listening to a lot of people for a lot of years about this. Um, and you got this guy, David Grush, that's coming forward and a few other people, congressmen who are saying that they've seen things or they've heard things. And they're beginning to paint this narrative that there's something to worry about. There's like a, a threat to this. And that makes me believe that it's potentially a psyop because I don't know, it just doesn't seem plausible to me, or at least maybe this is just like my ideas. It doesn't seem plausible that there's some sort of a real threat involved here, or uh, there's a danger because a danger or a threat would almost involve an opponent that, uh, like us being the opponent, that is sort of on a level where we're able to inflict harm on the alien civilization itself. And to me, with the technology that's been shown, it doesn't seem like we're much of a threat. So I feel like maybe if... Also, if there are higher levels of consciousness that exist through living beings throughout the, the universe that they would probably inhibit a more of a, a compassionate stance toward other living beings the same way that we do toward other living beings that are on our planet, but 
probably to a higher extent because they would be more wise than we are. Um, because to me, the evolution of consciousness sort of coincides with the evolution of love, the evolution of compassion, the evolution of um, like maybe out of greed, because we anthropomorphize everything. We map ourselves mm -hmm. onto everything, man. You know, and we look, when we look at aliens, we're saying, okay, um, how human are they? You know, like we're, we're assuming that they're very much like us. They're just a more advanced version of us. But to me, if you're a more advanced civilization, you've probably evolved out of greed, out of all the bullshit that we put ourselves through day after day after day um, that makes up this stupid civilization and this dumb society that we find ourselves in in the West. Yeah, I I, I like, I, I would agree. Okay, so I, I have two things where you say, I would agree. The idea that, okay, if there is some civilization that, that is really far out there or whatever, or could either pierce the veil and get into our dimension or fold space time from a long distance and get here in a short time. If they could do that, well, if they were our opponents, it's game over. Like, why haven't we been exterminated already? A. So I agree with you. Like it, the, the idea of them wanting to inflict harm where, where if they're already here or something's going on, I would think that the threat, I mean, the threat would come so fast or already have happened that like folding space time, you're, we're so out, outgunned compared to that kind of technology. So I'm not that worried in that respect. The, what I am worried about is, is like whenever I'm, I have a lot of uh, mowing I have to do, I have to mow a lot. But whenever I think of like how many just generations and populations of insects are completely wiped out when I mow. Um, and, and it's not that I wish them ill. In fact, if I find a spider in my house or anything, I put it on a piece of paper and get it outside. Like I'm extremely empathetic towards any life I come across. I try not to step on ants. You know, I, I'm really careful. Um, cause they're special and, and like, it's this, it, it's this incredibly complicated living thing. And it's like, there's no reason to do any harm to anything, uh, unless you're in danger. So my whole thing is like, when I'm mowing, I don't mean any ill will. It's just a byproduct of something that the ants cannot conceive of, of like mowing a, a, a lawn because you want your lawn to look nice. That concept is so far removed from them. They have no idea. They just know uh, every now and then uh, on like the, the seventh day, we have to like go underground because this ca catastrophe will happen. But what if it's some, what if there's like, uh, if we're inadvertently uh, most of us wiped out because of some just just thing we can't even conceive of, of like the aliens have to mow their lawn and, and just as a byproduct, they don't wish us ill. They're indifferent to us. And, and, and some of them even like us, but you know, it, we're like most of us are wiped out from their lawn mowing or whatever concept like that, that we can't understand that they're doing wipes us out. That, that is a, that's a scary idea. Yeah, it sounds like a Rick and Morty episode or something, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've heard uh, Elon Musk talk about AI and he said something that, that uh, you reminded me of. And I think it was like, if AI, like, think about us, okay? If we want to pave a road, you know, there's a reason for paving that road. It's important. We have to do it. We've decided we're going to do it. And if there's an anthill in the middle of a spot that we're going to pave that road. We don't give a shit. We're paving that road. We're demolishing that ant farm. So 
I mean, if you extrapolate that idea to AI or aliens, I mean, you could potentially see a situation where we're just in the way. And if we're in the way, we're going to get killed or exterminated or run over or controlled or something, which then maybe lends itself to the idea that we could be cattle. We could be being used for something, energy generating biological systems that contribute in some way, Matrix, shape, or form. Man. Yeah, the ma- exactly. <laughs> it may not be robots. It might be aliens that are giving us the matrix. Yeah. Yeah, I just like the idea of ants down in their chambers with tablets, and they have, like, scribes trying to predict when the next lawn mowing is. It's like this <laughs> terrifying cataclysmic event they're all trying. They're, like, they're like throwing bones on the ground and, and reading tablets trying to figure out when the next lawn mowing is going to occur. <laughs> trying to warn the next, uh, you know, the next evolution yeah. or, like, the next generation, which yeah. <laughs> lends credence to, like, Graham Hancock's uh, theories of global cataclysms and ancient civilizations yep. trying to warn us to, hey, look up and make sure you uh, pay attention to what's falling on you. Yeah, it would be cool if, you know, it's just weird. Whenever this country needs something, it's like, oh, man, the budget. But anytime anything happens in any part of the world, it's like, what, $6 billion, whoops, an accounting error, whoops, this. But it would be really cool as a country if uh, we got everything, got ourselves together and made these giant publicly accessible like vaults, basically kind of like Fallout, but bigger to where the majority of just people near cities or in rural areas knew where their vault was and um, and everyone could like go underground in case like the what is it? The what is that? that belt of um asteroids it's called something that we're all worried about oh um, um i know it's this, the but I can't think of kuiper it. belt the kuiper belt mm-hmm. uh so like yeah that's a, the, we've got two astronomical things if like everything is the way we believe it is um that we should probably think about it would be uh, uh, something getting dislodged or falling into our orbit from uh, the Kuiper Belt in terms of uh, devastating uh, asteroid impact, which there's tons of evidence on Earth that that's happened multiple times, or a solar flare. The last solar flare we had was in the late uh, 1800s. It was when we had telegraphs, and uh, apparently telegraph paper caught on fire because the uh emp from the solar flare uh supercharged all the wire all the telegraph wires we had in the air and caught some telegraph paper on fire at least there's some documentation of that so imagine this modern day with how much wires and satellites we have in the sky right now i mean cities would burn down overnight if we had like a a really bad solar flare um and and it seems like that's on a timetable it's it it's like uh like anything else there's like this kind of um wavelength or frequency the sun operates and bursts it like heats up it cools down it heats up it it it's just doing all of these things and then you know uh asteroid you know asteroid phenomenon that who knows like th- those are things that we don't have a lot of eyes in the sky on and uh every now and then they detect one there was one a few years ago that passed us by very recently that would have been devastating if it hit, but it, it missed us by a, a, a small, well, compared to space, a small margin. Uh, so yeah, I would agree. I think we probably need to have like some ideas in place and it not be just reserved for the billionaires 
you know, building their mile underground bunkers that that I've been hearing have been being worked on. Yeah, I mean, that would assume that the people in power, whether it be the government, the shadow government, whoever, actually give a shit about us and care yeah. if we survive, which I don't think they do. Maybe if they took yeah. enough psychedelics, they would, but Maybe. who knows? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I w- yeah, we need to get that. Yeah, man. I, I agree. And maybe we should, you know, merge ourselves, merge our intellectual uh, prowess with the wisdom of, of uh, indigenous cultures, as I was saying earlier. But yeah. Seth, man, this has been awesome. Uh, I was, I'm so happy that you agreed to come on, dude. It's been a great conversation. Absolutely. It has. Um, I'd love to have you on again. Um, so we can just continue it, man. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you, all the stuff you do, because you did mention some oh. of your art, which is amazing, by the way. I really love your art. So can you tell people where oh, to find you. all your stuff? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm S-T-H-H-R abbreviated, but um, you, if you type in S-T-H-H-R-S on YouTube, Instagram, uh, you'll find me. Um, and uh let's see oh uh my i have a podcast on my own called Sess alkahest on spotify and all that stuff and then uh and then uh me and me and the boys we do that stuff and weird podcast where we just discuss conspiracy theories weird stuff just anything that's just delish delicious and weird and then um and then yeah and i'm i'm working on a story called uh leviathan that is uh, kind of an ongoing movie project. Uh, hopefully the book comes out at the end of this year, possibly the beginning of next year. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I really appreciate you having me on. This was fun. Yeah, man, it was awesome. And uh, I got to come on your show again to make up for the loss of the of, yeah. of the, the files there. And yeah, we can hit it up. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, man.